0: The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL Coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes communal approach to coaching so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. The Most Pleasant exhaustion podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The agents at Blue Pineapple Travel love to help people plan their travel. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Whether you're looking for relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group, inside the U.S. or abroad, they're there to match you to the trip for you. Blue Pineapple Travel will help you curate all of the travel information out there to create the exact vacation that you want. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by SlayerX. You can find them at www.slayerx.com. SlayerX is a sports nutrition company that makes products for athletes, team sports, and anyone that trains or works outdoors. SlayerX was founded by an endurance athlete and University of Georgia food scientist who was unhappy with the choices he was offered on course in long course triathlons. He started making his own mixes and now you can enjoy those same mixes. Slayer X offers differing levels of electrolytes in their hydration products and you can get them with or without calories. You can either take their online test at SlayerX.com or you can be tested in their laboratory to determine the exact amount of liquid and electrolytes that you need to be consuming while racing. In addition to hydration products, Slayer X offers fueling products like their product Diesel which is available with or without the optimum level of caffeine that is scientifically proven to legally enhance performance while limiting GI upset and diuretic impact. If you're looking for alternative gels, try Slayer X Spark Plug, a Pop Rocks-like powder that combines the same electrolytes that are in their other products, encapsulated caffeine, and quickly absorb carbohydrates. It comes in a plastic tube so it can be carried while running, and it will work to enhance and fuel your alertness, general happiness, and performance. Remember, tell them that the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast sent you by using the coupon code PLEASANT2020 at checkout on their website, and you'll get 10% off anything you purchase there. That's slayerx.com pleasant 2020 test don't guess for slayer x thanks to all of our sponsors for making the most pleasant exhaustion podcast possible the most pleasant exhaustion podcast brought to you by ito coaching performance blue pineapple travel and slarex my name is george darden i'm a professor and coach i'm a father of twin boys and i'm an athlete here in atlanta georgia
1: i'm patrick ondra i'm also an endurance athlete and coach here in atlanta and i just like to talk to smart people and read smart things
2: and i'm michelle frank i'm a cpa i'm a mom to three girls and i'm also an endurance athlete here in atlanta georgia
0: michelle doesn't like to talk to people and read smart things though
2: I like to read smart things, but I'm not so into talking to people, so sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we appreciate the I'm fact that with you're it. willing to talk to I'm almost to 40, us.
2: so I can handle that I'm an introvert-ish.
0: Almost so. 40. Right on. <laughs> so right on. Um, speaking of reading smart things... Nice play because this week we are, in fact, talking about the book we all read, The Happy Runner. So um, you'll recall that that a little bit over a month ago, I guess it was probably like six weeks ago, we we put out to everybody and said, who wants to read a book this summer with us? Um, And we had a lot of people on our Facebook page uh, write to us and and suggest various books so much so that we're probably going to end up picking another one here over the course of the next couple of weeks to read again. Um, But we decided to pick out The Happy Runner by David Roche and Megan Roche. And we're going to spend most of the podcast here talking about today uh before we do that i want to check in with both y'all real quick because i don't know for whatever reason when i'm setting up the lighting and all that sort of thing today it feels like it's been a really long time we took last week off from the podcast so it has been a little bit longer i think than it has been over the course of the last uh few months
1: here but patrick michelle how y'all doing (laughs) patrick what you up to man i Well, it has felt like a while just because, I mean, it's quarantine time where a day feels like a year and I don't even want to know what a year would feel like. Um, (laughs) So it it does feel like it's been a while. Um, So speaking of it being a while, I ran my first 5K this weekend in a while. Yes, you did. And my first one I believe, August, which is almost a full year going from August to July. And not going to lie, that was a lot of fun. It was a virtual one, mind you. We were not all packed onto a starting line or anything of that nature, but it was the Atlanta, like run is one 5k. Not Now the full name escapes me, but the one, the one, um, the one ATL,
0: one ATL, one ATL, there we go. One, one, one team ATL. ATL. That was it. One team ATL 5k. I ran it too. So
1: very good. Yeah. yeah. And so for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, Atlanta track club usually puts on a different 5k sponsored by each of the major sports teams. So there'll be one in the summer, kind of sponsored by the Braves. one in the winter sponsored by the Hawks one in the fall sponsored by the Falcons. And this year they decided, you know what, we're obviously not doing these due to you know, COVID-19. So we're just gonna have one big virtual race in July. Um, and then of course we couldn't have the Peachtree July 4th. So they probably timed it out to be the week after July 4th uh, on purpose.
2: So where'd you run the 5K?
1: I ran it in a little park in Lilburn, Georgia, A.K.A. Thrillburn, Georgia, where I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second time you've called it's it the Thrill town Burn of on this parks and churches.
0: before, and and it's made me laugh both times. So very nice. You were plan? Were you planning to run it on a track?
1: Yeah, I was, and then I went to the track, and there's a giant sign saying "track is closed" for due to COVID-19. Oh no! So I was like, hmm. Now we got to find another place, and we're just mm-hmm. driving um around saw this park that i'd never run it before there was like one guy walking so i was like all right there's not that many people here let's (laughs) give it a shot did my first loop just to kind of see what the, the course looked like and then voila the rest is history i guess Right on, man.
0: And you ran great. So, so, so Patrick's bearing the lead a little bit. He actually won the virtual 5k here. So well done. And then for somebody who has been base training only um, is talking about how he's merely been base training over the course last little while you threw down a pretty solid 5k man. Well done.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a surprise. (laughs) Not going to lie. I mean, it was, I'll just say the, the three miles that I ran for that 5k, even my slowest one was faster than any mile I've run. Mm-hmm. like in any workout or anything, any single mile I've run since January 7th. And mm-hmm. here we are, wow. July 12th. Right um, so I did not expect that kind of a result. I think it was a test. I think it's been a testament to to base training mm-hmm. and just kind of really consistent, easy running mm-hmm. day in and day out, really for four months. And then two months prior to that was almost nothing but tempo training for the marathon. Right on, man. Very good. So it was good. pretty interesting feedback that I wasn't expecting. And I'm sure I'll nerd out over even more over my like spreadsheets and running journals, et cetera. <laughs> right on, right
0: on. But okay, so so what, what, what did you think about for me. What do you think about the virtual format? Because I've run a few virtual races and I've done a lot more I've done a lot more races, period, than you have over the course of the last little while yeah. here. what do you think about the virtual format? Like uh, you know, you do this thing, you go yeah, out by absolutely. yourself, you
1: do it where you want to do it, then you upload your time. So this was my first one. And so I actually got to backtrack here and give my wife some credit too, because I was planning to just kind of latch on a 5K at the end of a long run on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And on Friday night, she was like, go to a track, have fun, see what you can do. Like, who knows what'll happen? So I was like, okay, why not? Like, I mean, literally the night before, I was like, you know what? That's a good idea. Let's, let's have fun with it. I wasn't really planning to kind of make it an event. And I enjoyed it a lot more than I was expecting. It's not the same as a big target race, obviously, but it still is a lot more fun than just another track workout or another easy run. And you know, it it was interesting because I remember I was warming up and I even did a few striders thinking like almost like, what am I doing out here by myself? Like what's (laughs) going on here? Is this weird? But the moment I started going, I mean, not even half mile in, I was racing, having fun, Mm -hmm. checking my splits constantly, looking at my watch, i mm-hmm. um, just kind of racing myself and it, it ended up being a lot more fun than I was expected. Ooh, for man. sure. Now the vulture, the virtual part is weird because then you upload it and then you're almost like waiting for people to jump you or like, you're just kind of <laughs> waiting to see other people's results. That's yeah. not so much fun. You How just... many times
2: did you check to make sure you stayed in first place after you uploaded your time? Uh, or you didn't have to, because George just kept telling us. <laughs>
1: so i was gonna say i didn't i didn't think i would be in first and then when george texted me then i was like checking every
0: uh, there you go well, see, shall see, we at, after after i uploaded so, so there was a 36 hour window during which you could do it you could do it from 5 a.m on saturday morning yeah. until 5 p.m on sunday afternoon and so so after i did it and i did it around one o'clock in the afternoon on saturday and patrick did it like 7 a.m on saturday morning um, and so after I uploaded, we were first and second, and I, I, I was like, "Yeah, hey, that's kind of cool." And so that, that's and so that's why I sent to you. So if anything, I was the one that was probably looking to see because I wanted to see if I oh, was sure. going to stay up that high. I was pretty confident I would not, and I didn't. Even though um, even though I only got passed by I think two more people, two maybe three more people. So um, and nobody over the age of forty, which is the thing that tends to matter to me the most these days. So um, but, there yeah. you go. Right on, right on. Um, I did mine what, on. A, what did you I, did think, though, a tra-
1: I, n- I know you've done more. I did yeah. mine on a
0: treadmill. <laughs> you did. I, I decided it's to cheating. I, no, it's not cheating. I, I decided to lean into the whole virtual thing entirely and say, you know what? I'm going to go for a for a treadmill 5K PR here and let's see how this goes. Um, but no, my my wife was out of town until yesterday, and then. I, so I couldn't get up and, and leave my sons and for me, I felt like given mm-hmm. my current fitness level and and given the fact that this is a virtual 5k and stuff like that, I didn't want to call up my parents to come look after my sons while I did it. Um, and so um, yeah. and so so I had my sons with me and I had to kind of figure out how to make that work right um, and so so I Uh, started looking back at my logs. And I said, what's the fastest I've actually ever run a 5k on the treadmill. And, and I located a a, a workout that I did back uh, in 2017 um, in the run up to the Chicago marathon. um, And I said, all right, this looks like the fastest 5k I've ever run and uh, on the treadmill. And so, so I said, well, let me, let me see if I can beat this one. So I made that my goal. Um, And you know, I did, the, I did the Nikki Hiltz 5K, the, the uh, Pro- virtual pride 5K a couple weeks ago down in Florida. And I did that one outdoors. Um, and it was not super fast. Um, and I was like, okay, any improvement on that will probably be a pretty good improvement. And then if I can get a 5K treadmill PR in the process, that would be good too. And both of those things happen. So, so yeah, I felt like it was a successful day for me and all. I'm definitely sore today, though, which is always frustrating. So.
1: Yeah. So when I emailed or when you texted that you had finished second, I looked. Looked up your splits on Strava. Mm-hmm. And there was about a half <laughs> second where I was like, those are the most incredibly <laughs> consistent splits I've ever seen. And I was like, oh, that's gotta be.
0: That's because like that's because
1: I said it at I, I set it at
0: 10.7 <laughs> miles per hour and just went. Um, no, but the, yeah. the, the, the the drawback. So your the, pacing was really just a straight line right, across the <laughs> right. The, the 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 drawback of it is that it took about twenty seconds for the treadmill to wind up. You know what I'm saying? And so, so, so I'm sitting there, beep, 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 like turn it up faster and, and, I'm, yeah. and I was walking. So imagine firing the gun of a 5K and you walk for about the first 10 seconds. And that's kind of how it works on a treadmill. Um, and so I was just kind of, I was like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then the, the the other challenge for me, of course, was like I said, my, since my sons were around, they were actually in the room with me and they're playing, you know, video games the entire time I'm running. And my sons over the course of the past couple of days have decided that when they grow up, they want to be video game developers, which I'm great. Fantastic. Let's do that fellas. And so they started asking me about how they're going to trademark their own company one day. Um, and so I'm like sitting there running hard trying to finish, you know, get my treadmill PR, all that sort of thing. And they're like, so when we send our letter to the government about trademarking our company name, do it. And I was like, I was like, gotta gotta ask me later, buddy. Gotta ask me later. <laughs> um, and so, not did they this, make so.
2: it fifteen minutes without a snack?
0: So, so no. Funny you should ask. We were about two minutes in, and one of them go. And yeah, one, really of them they, one of them told me. One of them said he was hungry, and I said, go get something to eat. Just go. You know, you know what it is. You're six years old now. You 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 can find yourself a bar, some applesauce, or a piece of bread. So go for it. Um, but, but yeah, so that, that was, it, it, in a lot of ways, um, it was a challenge unlike any other I'd ever had before <laughs> in a race, um, which I suppose is kind of the point of this whole virtual 5K thing. Um, the, other, the other funny thing about it to me, and, and I was thinking about this in light of the conversation we had with Tony Hammett a couple of weeks ago, um, is that I swear the reason why I signed up for this race is because the shirt is so cool. Um, and, and cause like you said, it was mm-hmm. all the sports teams in one. And so it had, you know, the logo for the race on it, but then it had the logo for every single Atlanta professional sports team on it. It had it for the women's basketball team, for the men's basketball team, for the football team, for the soccer team. And it had all the, and then it had all of their slogans as well as part of the, of the, of the logo of it too. And I was like, that's a cool shirt. I feel civic pride wearing that shirt. I want it. And that's, that's a major reason why I signed up for the race, if not the primary reason why I signed up for the race. And so, you know, we were talking about with Tony Hammett last week that, oh, no, we don't need the shirt. All we really want is the experience. And then less than two weeks later, I run a race that I signed up for. In large part because I really like the shirt, so so I, I'm actually kind of I, I feel like I finished that conversation or we finished that conversation with Tony a couple of weeks ago, and I was like I totally agree with you. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care about any of the swag. I don't care about the t-shirt. I don't care about the medals. I don't care about any of that stuff. I just wanted to be out there and be able to race. <laughs> and and as I've thought about it over the course of the last couple of weeks, I'm like, you know what? But I do kind of like like a t-shirt to reflect some of the the, the stuff I'm proud of. You know, if, if if I do run hard and I do I do accomplish something that I think is worthwhile, I like to have that t-shirt. I like to have something tangible I can look at and remind me of something that I can take pride in. Um, You like that
2: Pride 5K t-shirt too.
0: So I like that Pride 5K t-shirt. It's a little thin. It's weird. It's like a, it's, 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 it's very, it's like see-through almost. Um, It's probably
2: more expensive than.
0: Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, so so still considering all those sorts of things. Michelle is running. Michelle, how is your your preparation for Virtual Boston going? Because you signed up for Virtual Boston this week, right?
2: I did sign up for Virtual Boston. Take Um, us through it. So, yeah, I've been on the spin bike for the last several weeks. Uh, Started getting a little bit of soreness in my Achilles back in late May and uh, just kind of offloaded everything the weekend of June 5th and took a little bit longer to get going again. But uh, I ran about 35 minutes today. Uh, after doing a lot of walk running the last week after spinning. So I feel pretty good about it. Um, I was just really happy to like put on running shoes and just go running even though it was so yeah. short. Um, and I guess I don't really know what the plan is between now and September 14th, but I have to run 26 miles at some point that week. So that's kind of my goal. Um, mm. probably half running and half on the bike and just see if I can, you know, get the endurance back. Mm -hmm. uh but i'm happy to be you know i was sort of at a point where i really couldn't even run um it was just unmanageable so i think i'm past that and i'm pretty thrilled about that so yeah i did sign up for the virtual boston marathon um and i'm looking forward to just getting back to it so
0: I, i i'm thrilled about it too as a matter of fact michelle so virtual boston marathon they sent out an email not last week, the week before that said everybody on Tuesday, the 7th, January 7th or June 7th, July 7th. I don't even know what month we're in. July 7th (laughs) uh, on July 7th on seven, seven, everybody's going to be getting an email starting at 10 a.m. and, and, you can you'll have a unique link in that email and you can click on it and you sign up for the virtual race virtual race costs $50 because everybody already got their full refund from the race and so the virtual is now just going to cost 50 bucks if you're one of the first 15,000 to sign up they said we'll send you this special pre-race training pack um, through amazon.com which uh i think you probably are going to be getting that right michelle
2: Yeah, I actually um, think that even though it was only the first 15,000 people to sign up, I'm not even sure that they've reached the 15,000 registrants at this point. So it is a pre-race package from Amazon. There'll be a post-race package for everybody um, Mm -hmm. that actually does complete it, but it was only the first 15,000 to register that got the pre-race. And I think there was a lot of hype around that. Uh, We were definitely all at our computers, you know, at ten o'clock on Tuesday morning, um, it took till about ten fifty eight for me to get my email, which was a really long fifty eight minutes. Um, and so now, almost a week later, to read that, I mean, if they crested fifteen thousand, they just it just happened probably yesterday. Um, so probably shouldn't have been so paranoid about that, but you know, like I want the Sam Adams beer bottle opener, whatever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right.
0: Right on, right on. Um, and then they said, so, so like you said, everybody's going to get the t-shirt. Everybody's going to get afterwards. If you finish, um, they, they, uh, they said that you have any time of that week from September 14th or September 7th to September 14th to run uh, a 26.2 miles. They said it does have to be a continuous run, but they did take off the time limit. Um, yeah, they, they did
2: take off the time limit. I think initially when they had come out and canceled the race that was scheduled to be rerun in September, they had said that there would be a six hour time limit. And then when they came out and basically told us that they were opening the link for the virtual uh, registration, they removed that six hour time limit. Mm-hmm. So someone who's you know coming off a unexpected period of not running, uh, that was kind of a relief to me. Um, sounds pretty miserable to be out there for six hours just to do 26.2 miles but I think you know if you're injured but you just kind of want to go the distance it it leaves a lot more opportunity for people so yeah um, and the charity runners especially if they choose to race it virtually so it gives them a little bit more time I agree Uh, no reason not to I mean I don't know why you need a time limit on a virtual race they're not holding the course or closing the roads or keeping Mm -hmm. volunteers out there so I think that was a nice gesture on their part
0: I think so too. And I think that's ultimately probably what they came to. Yeah. So I, I have not signed up. Um, and, and the reason why is because I, as I talked about a couple of weeks ago, the Blue Ridge relay is now a go, um, and it still is a go. And that's supposed to be on Friday, September 11th, which is smack in the middle of that window during which you're supposed to do the 26.2 mile continuous run. Um, and so I, I I can't figure out a way that I could do 26.2 miles continuously, even if I walked the whole thing on the Monday before the Blue Ridge Relay was on Friday, I just don't feel like that'd be a really good situation.
2: A world of hurt probably. Yeah.
0: I just don't think it'd be a good idea. Um, and my wife too, very wisely said, you know, it might be the, the back half of 2020 here. The only race that you actually get to do is the Blue Ridge Relay. Um, and so you ought to like really train specifically and put all your eggs in the Blue Ridge Relay basket. Um, and I think she's right about that. Um, and so, so that's, more will than you? I have the last couple of years, that's that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna, you know, really kind of train specifically for it and and um, do some do some workouts and 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 do some things that I think will will give me some specific preparation, even though Megan and David Roche play down the importance of specificity, which we'll talk about here in just a second. So y'all ready to talk about this book? Sure, ready. All right. the happy runner it is. So, um, uh, remind us, uh, Michelle, who David Roche and Megan Roche are.
2: Sure. Um, so, neither of them were grew up really as runners. David went to Columbia. He played football. Megan went to Duke. She played the cross. Um, David went to school to be a lawyer, and when he went to Duke, that's kind of where they met. Um, started running with you know, field hockey, cross-training, and obviously David's football days were over and they got further into running and um, just started to win some pretty big races. Like they both have a US Trail Championship to their name and they formed a group called the Swap Team. Uh, it's an acronym for some work, all will play. Uh, they started with, you know, just somebody that wanted to uh, run under them and they basically built a, sorry, they moved from Duke out West. Uh, Megan went to medical school kind of an important factor especially in the second half of the book when we deal with a lot of physiology stuff um but yeah they've built a team they coach um trail runners ultra runners mountain runners um you know elite road racing runners so they just kind of run the gamut of everything from amateur to professional and they wrote a book on their approach to really life and running um, Mm -hmm. and coaching and we picked that book as our first book for the most pleasant exhaustion podcast book club
0: right on um well described michelle very nice yeah. um so um we're not going to summarize the entire book but but i i can give kind of the overarching summary of the book here and and we were talking about it a little bit before you came on air and i said it's really almost kind of like the tale of two books Um, you have part one, which is all about the mental approach to running and where they give a lot of advice about um, how to find happiness in your life at large and in your running specifically. And we talked a little bit about that on on the podcast a few weeks ago, uh, because we are all pretty deep into part one already. Um, And, and, Then they pivot in the second half of the book and the second half of the book is more of what I would call a traditional running book in the sense that it talks about how to train and the the physiological parts, uh, aspects of, of, of actually training distance runners. And so, so in the first part, as you said, they talk about sort of the, the philosophy of running and also the philosophy of life, um, how to be a happy person and, and how to ultimately, um, um, uh, be fulfilled and, and content. Um, and then the second half of the book, they say, okay, now that we've talked about all of that, let's talk about how to train the, the essential components of training, uh, whether cross training is worthwhile, the things you need to work on in order to make yourself a stronger, better, faster runner. Um, and so, I, I figure the best way for us to talk about this is to to first talk about that first half and then talk about the second half here. Um, and I'll say, I didn't love this book until I did. Um, and so I, 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 I really liked the second half and, and the fact that I liked the second half made me see the first half in a slightly different light. Um, but I might have just kind of skipped to the end of my summary there, but, but so, so so maybe I shouldn't do that, but so let's talk about the first half and let's talk about the second half. Um, First half, let's see the, the first half of the book, they actually refer to um, as the happy runner rules. Um, And so, so basically it's just like four big overarching ideas of what they think that you need to do in order to be not just a happy runner, but a happy person who runs. Um, And uh, what do y'all think about that? So Patrick, you haven't talked in a minute. Tell us what you thought about the first half of the book.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. I I had a pretty similar takeaway from you, where that, quite honestly, the first half of the book I found a little rough. um, Or I was kind of, I kept finding myself being like, okay, I'm not so sure about this. Um, Not that I necessarily disagreed with anything they were saying, Mm -hmm. on this, on kind of the surface, Mm -hmm. but I thought a lot of the, the points that they use or the examples that they use to build their points really did not resonate with me and in many ways i thought got in the way of their points um now some of them were just specific to my own experience right so it it just wasn't kind of falling in 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 kind of my lane so to speak um so the first half was rough and kind of to your point i liked it a lot more once i got through the second half not only because i liked the second half a lot more but then it helped kind of in a way almost build a foundation for the points they were trying to make in the first half Mm in an odd way because um in my opinion I just kept kind of in that first half I'd read some of these rules and I'd be like well there's kind of a a push pull here that I don't know if we're we're quite accepting here and in the second half I thought kind of helped build a more complete point that I almost wish was available in that first half or was acknowledged a bit more in that first half mm-hmm. if that makes sense
0: I think it does Michelle what do you think what do you think about the first half
2: yeah, the happy of so- rules <laughs> And we spoke a little bit about it uh, last time we were all together, but I have a really hard time with all the referencing uh, to Addie Dog, <laughs> mm-hmm. So I found that to be a huge distraction. Um, mm-hmm. I also found the first half, I mean, I kind of wondered who is their target audience. Uh, I just uh-huh. felt like these rules are, I mean, I'm a lifetime athlete. Uh, I went to college on a, you know, division one scholarship and I just continue to run now and compete at my own level but I feel like a lot of their rules are I don't know maybe just I don't I don't I couldn't really relate to a lot of what they were saying I guess I should say Um, and I felt like they were possibly um, dumbing down a lot of maybe more integral parts of kind of the mental approach to even just to like the daily run Mm -hmm. Um, so I found the first part little bit frustrating i definitely did better like you guys in the second half um even though generally speaking um i felt like there was a tremendous amount of emphasis on the results don't matter at all but all of their examples both in the first and the second half focused on you know pretty uh admirable accolades of people who really had some great race performances so um I struggled with this book, I would say. And I feel like I'm the reason why we read it. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I
1: was blaming you every time I turned the
0: page. So. <laughs> yeah, every, <I> mean... <laughs> every, every time it went into all caps and, and every, every time they started quoting yeah, so their the dog, I was like, Michelle. Like,
2: <laughs> I can't, right. <laughs> yeah, like I don't have an Ivy League degree, but I just can't do all caps and I can't do dog jokes. And I, and I just, I would have loved something. I think I would have done much better with this book if it was just the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the first half might've been written by like a psychologist or something, but mm-hmm. maybe out of the context of running. Mm-hmm. So. so it's,
1: it's interesting. You, you asked about, like you said, you weren't sure who the intended audience was. When I read the first half, I just kept thinking this feels like an Instagram post stretched out to a book.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like to me too.
1: Interesting.
0: See, you know, and I, 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 I agree with, with the flaws of the first half of the book. So, so again, the first half of the book, it's, it's four things. they number one, they, they say embrace the process. And so, so you're more about a process oriented athlete, right? Which I agree with. And I think that's what Patrick was right about to say, right?
1: Um, that, that, that you basically. Yeah. And I was going to say, we've even yeah. talked about that on this podcast to so be like yeah. focus on process and the results mm-hmm. will come.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And, and, <clears throat> my coach in college
0: used to tell me that and and I always did that and then I'd get in a race and and the race wouldn't be quite as easy and I'd be kind of frustrated by the race and then but eventually the result would kind of come around and and right. I, I, I still think that's a really fundamental part of who I am as a coach and as an athlete is as you embrace mm-hmm. that process you, you you do the things you need to do and you just kind of keep at it and ultimately the results will take care of themselves is the way that I always say it mm-hmm. um, the second one is right, knowing but your sometimes why
2: sometimes the process Sucks, And they're advocating that it really never should, not that it never should suck, but that you should Mm -hmm. constantly, you know, find the joy and in all of it and that the results don't matter. And you're saying, you know, that eventually the results will come. But I think Mm -hmm. that it's not realistic. And it's like, just to always find the joy in the process, like Mm -hmm. some of it is really going to suck. And sometimes the results aren't really going to come, even if you... but they they, the they,
0: they said, so, so to your point that sometimes the process is not all that great. So pro- principle number four for them is what they said was it's not all puppies and unicorns. That's right true. and so so, so they did you lose say me when
2: you use puppies and unicorns
0: <laughs> and so so, so they, they did say that that okay sometimes it's not going to be so great right um and and i i've i've read that in different places and i've certainly experienced that right that that sometimes it's really not a whole lot of fun and you just kind of have to, to to get on through it and 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 that's something that i appreciate and i understand as well um the The second one was knowing your why, and they said you need to to kind of get to the the base of of why it is you do this running thing um, and it took me i we talked about this a, a few weeks ago. It took me a long time to actually get to to learning my why It was only really within the past five or six years that I learned my why um, and then the third one was powering yourself with kindness, which if we want to talk more specifically about one of the things from the first half, we can talk specifically about this one, but I found that one interesting because that's something that that again. I've kind of come around to, I think that a lot of, a lot of this, like if I would have read the the first half of this book, when I was in college, I would have set it on fire. Like I would, I would have hated it. Um, and, and, but a lot of this stuff, like as I've aged as a runner and as all of my PRs are behind me and as I am looking at things like, Hey, let me see if I can run a PR for the treadmill 5k. um, while my kids are asking me about how to trademark their future video game company. Um, let me sign up for this race. Cause I like the shirt. Like as I've started doing more and more and more of that thing, as I've gotten older, I feel like a lot of the stuff they talk about in the first part of the book resonates with me a little bit more. I think though mm-hmm. that it, it, at the same time, that being said, I do think that the way that they wrote it. With their constant references to dogs, which I don't, I don't like dogs. Uh, I'm not a dog guy. <laughs> with their constant refer- references to their dogs, um, and 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 also the joke density was just so high. They were they made a joke in almost every paragraph, and there were times when I felt like they even sort of sabotaged themselves with some of their jokes because they would make yeah. a really interesting 100%. point, um, and and they would say yeah. something about like you know research shows that people who focus on da da da, and then like the very next line would be. And so that's what the dog thinks about that. I'm like, you, you just completely undermined yourself yeah. by, by talking about the dog or by making some, some pop culture reference or something like that. When, when you could have let the scientific study stand on its own, I felt like. Um, or breathe so, a so, little bit. So, so yeah. Yeah. Or, or give some space to breathe. Exactly. Um, you know, wait till the next paragraph or, or, or the next page before you make the pop culture reference or, or, or the Instagram sounding, sounding quotation. Um, so I I liked a lot of the stuff in there. I thought it was legit and, and, and it's things I definitely believe. Um, the writing style is not the way that I would write it, but that doesn't mean the way that I would write it is the best way. Um, it just means that, that I would have written it differently. Um, I do wonder, I do wonder, and, and I thought about this after I read the second half, I do wonder why they put part one as part one and part two as part two. um, now in, in Meb Kofleski's book, Meb for mortals, his chapter one is all about getting your mind right. And then every other chapter, the remaining nine or 10 chapters of the book are about how to train. And there's one about strength training and there's one about lactate threshold training. And there's one about, you know, race, psychology and, and strategy. And there's one about running economy and, and being more efficient, all that sort of thing. But chapter number one is all about getting your mind right. and And there's a part of me that wonders if, if, Maybe they made this part one—the whole first half of the book. They they said, "Okay, you got to get your mind right, and then you can focus on all the physiology." Here, it's almost the same thing that Meb Kiflesky did, except that rather than doing one chapter on the mind and then nine chapters on the physiology, they did one half on the mind and then the back half on the physiology. And so, if I'm if I'm going to beat them up for starting this way, then I would have to kind of say that Meb Kiflesky's book maybe is not all that great too. And it was a great book; I did enjoy that one. So. I mean, what do y'all think about you know, that? Think why, why, why do you why is it you think they, they started with with why do you think they put this first?
2: Their brand is all about um, like running is not life, so to speak. I mean, like you've got life, and running's a part of it. And the more that you kind of weave it all together, and um, you know, not that they downplay the importance of it, but the athletes that transition to them, and you know, some of the more elite uh, trail running and ultra running athletes who speak about them. I mean, you just always hear that they treat their athletes with compassion. They're invested in every part of their life, not their running life. It's a a full world approach. Like how does running fit into the person that you are? They don't try to take somebody and make them this you know, star runner, so to speak. Um, Even though they do have some star runners that have blossomed underneath their training. So I think they, in order to kind of stay on brand for what the swap team is, they had to start the first half of the book like this. I mean, I think if anything, this is extremely consistent with, what we hear from their athletes who speak about what it's like to work with them. Mm -hmm. Um, so Mm. I don't think that they, I think the second half for them is, is almost just commonplace. Like that's the easy stuff for them. It's the first half where they feel like they are really sort of the niche in the, in the coaching marketplace. Um, because I'm not saying everybody can figure out, you know, a program like the way they describe in the second half, but I do think there is something to be said about all of the, you know, mind, head, worldview life mm-hmm. in the first half of the book. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they could have just written a book just with the second half. That's not what they want. That's not the type of athlete they wanna coach.
1: Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Patrick, what do you think? That, that's a good point too. I would say that also probably mirrors the experience a lot of adult runners have, or people that transition to, or runners that transition to them. At first, they just wanna try something new. And it's really just about figuring out their scheduling when are you going to fit in the run? How are you going to fit in the run? How are you going to motivate yourself? Right. And then once you get the logistics out of the way or the the mindset out of the way, then you can start to say, okay, now that we have you committed an hour a day, for example, or five hours a week, whatever the case may be. Now we can think through how can we best use this time. Hmm. But at first it's just about helping people carve out that time and carve out that, that mind space and that mindset. And
0: getting them hooked on running. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Um, yeah. I think that's, I think, I think both of those points are really, really interesting points. Cause, cause I, I did find myself. So, so Michelle mentioned like who the target audience was a few minutes ago. And, and I, I found myself wondering a lot through particularly through the first half of the book, like who the target audience was. And I was, I was, I was like, bless you. who Who is it that, that would, that would, um, that would, would really respond positively, to this style of writing um, and the message, um, and and I think that that when when I thought about, I I, I think that, that one of the real things they were trying to do with the first part of the book, I, and I I agree with both of you. I think that that I think Michelle's point is excellent about how this is sort of their brand, and this is like they had to put this first, like this is who they are, and this is what they have to do, and they have to have the all caps with the dog and all that sort of thing. Like that's just kind of who they are, and and it has to be called the Happy Runner. Right. Um, what, what does SWAP stand for again? Yeah, some, some work, all play. Yeah. Um, and so. Some
2: work, all play. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, 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 so it, I, I agree that kind of had to be that. And then, and I, and I agree with you too, Patrick, that, that I think that, that, and, and I think this is an educator as well, that, that when you're trying to, to teach somebody something or engage a learner, if you will, you try to, 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 Enrapture them first. You try and touch their heart first, and and you try and get them hooked and curious about the process or about the topic, and then you go back in and you fill in all of those details and stuff, right? But you always try and hook them first, mm-hmm. and so so kind of maybe that's what they were trying to do here as well. Um, I, I felt like with with this one, I I, I really felt like, and, and this is based in part on the the vignette, and maybe this is just kind of what I'm bringing to it. I, I felt like in reading this where this first part of the book could potentially be most valuable would be for like the really hardcore competitor. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, like, like the, the, the competitor that is super results oriented and that is paying really, really, really close attention to the exact number of miles they get every single day and, and, and scoffs at the idea of, of why are you doing this running and, and, um, has never thought about like their mindset and all that sort of thing. And, and, I feel like the first part of the book was really aimed at those runners saying, Hey, the fact that you're running super hard and you're really focused and driven um, and goal oriented is great, but you're going to get a whole lot more out of this running thing and you're going to be able to do it for a whole lot longer. And ultimately you're going to become a better person in the process. If you pay attention to all this other stuff too, like there's this whole aspect of this running endeavor that you're missing. Mm -hmm. Um, and And if you pay attention to these principles here that they lay out in chapters one, two, three, and four, then this is long term going to be a more rewarding enterprise for you. Does
2: but it, I think where they make a big gamble is for them this is like the only way for long-term success or long-term happiness in running and I think for some people, I mean people are just out there to win it like they're in it to win it, and that's what brings them the satisfaction, and that's what gets them out of bed every single day and they can maintain their health and, you know, run fast and at a high level for a long time. And like, that's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, and they, they would, I think they would go to bat with that. You know, they would say that you can get more. There, you, there's more than whatever makes you happy if you kind of follow their approach. And mm-hmm. that's just kind of where it lost me a little bit.
0: And um, the way that you describe it like that, that doesn't lose me. I like that. Um, like, like their writing style lost me a little bit and, and their references, their dog lost me a little bit. But I think if I, if, if I sift through all of that, like the idea of saying the idea of saying that, that the whole reason why we want to do this is, is to ultimately improve ourselves as people. Um, I believe that strongly. Um, I very much believe that, 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 that's, that's what this thing is all about. Um, and I think that's the reason why, why I've stuck with it. I think that's the reason why I like coaching is because for me, I feel like if people throw themselves deeply and passionately into, into a physical pursuit like endurance sports, they will ultimately come out the other side of it, not only faster and fitter, but also better people. Um, I think that, that, that endurance sports can be uplifting. I think they can be enriching. Um, I very much believe that. Um, and so, so I agree with them when they say that, that, you know, quit trying to just think that might happen and instead like embrace that aspect of endurance sports and cultivate it, like do this stuff. And then in addition to being fast and and getting the results and all that sort of thing, in addition to that, you can also become a better
1: person. Right. Or have the resilience to enjoy your race, whether it goes the way you want or not, Mm -hmm. for example.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then that in turn applies to the rest of your life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in that, that in turn, if you become a more resilient athlete, you're ultimately over time going to become a more resilient person. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that that's, that's a positive thing. Um, so yeah, I, again, I think that because I like the second half of the book so well, it made me really rethink the first half of the book and cut them a lot of slack on it that maybe I didn't when I got to the end of the first part. I got to the end wow. of the first part and I was like, oh man, that was a lot of Instagram-y type stuff. Even though I didn't say it that way, because <laughs> I, I like what you said with it, Patrick. I think I think that's where I was at the halfway point of this book, and it took me about a week to be like, all right, let's read the second half of this book. It took me a little I, while. I did the like, same like thing, I was, I, I
1: was like, yeah. I gotta read, an, I read another book, or a few chapters of another book before coming back to the second yeah. half, but I've yeah. reason.
0: I mean, and I was like, all right, here we go. And then I read the second half of the book and, and the second half of the book, honestly, is probably the closest I've ever read of any single training book to something that I would write if I sat down to write a book about how to train runners. Um, And so, I, I and I, I don't know what that says about me necessarily. That that hey they 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 wrote something that they, they very much agree with what I agree with when it comes to exercise physiology. And so because they agree with me and because I think they're smart when it comes to that, I gave them the benefit of the doubt in the first half of the book. Um, but but it definitely I, I went back before we came onto the podcast this evening and I said okay let me go back and look over these things and let me think about them in a in in a more objective fashion um, or at least in a different light given. The way that that I agreed with every with virtually everything they said in the second half of the book.
2: Would you Uh, say that you agree with everything they say about periodization and specificity? You know, uh, I definitely agree with what they said about specificity because that's exactly the way you coach. So yeah, a hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah,
0: I like I said this is so so the second half of the book, and we can transition and talk about the second half of the book if you want. Here, the second half of the book is it is if if I had six months and somebody said. Here is several thousand dollars to sit down and actually write a book here, George. You, you've, you've had some success coaching athletes. Uh, and we, we want to hear about how you write a book and, and you have to include a section on exercise physiology and, and the stuff that you coach about. Um, and, and the, the philosophical, not the philosophical, the physiological principles that, mm-hmm. that, that inform your coaching approach and the, the workouts that you write. This is the closest I've ever read to something I would write. Now, not the style necessarily, and there are a few right. things that, that, that I would have left out um, um, and other things I might have emphasized more than they did. But, I mean, they were like 80% aerobic. You have to do strides and focus on economy. Your effort matters more than your pace. Your cross-training is super valuable. The overall development as an athlete um, and, and your overall development as a runner matters more. Um, that, that We tend to get over-bogged down in, in specificity when specificity is not the most important thing. Um, I've never read anybody. I've never read in a book. Yeah, nobody like just one. comes out
2: and says it like that.
0: Yeah, I, I, have, I have never read in a book until this book, what I call the overapplication of this principle of specificity. Yeah. Um, and and, this, and this, this book convinced me something that I've always been convinced about anyway. Um, uh, people, like when, when people have said to me, not only like in this, but in my, my professor job, like, oh, you should write a book about that. I'm like, that book's already been written. Like any book that I would write has already been written. Like the one thing that I thought that was really novel that I had never read anybody else write about when I came to coaching was the overapplication of specificity. Well, you and missed your
2: chance. I'm damned they if they didn't write about it.
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, so I'm done.
2: <laughs> okay. So I'll give you all of that. I agree with everything that you said, but I think that they – oversimplify the if you just do all of this if you just follow this if you know all the numbers match up then you'll have a big breakthrough and mm-hmm. it's like if you check all the boxes you're for sure going to run really really fast mm-hmm. and there and it's just like it's just not that easy i mean people mm-hmm. just don't always get that linear of a path to a big breakthrough or whatever they it's essentially guarantee you mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that was my frustration with the second half i think mm-hmm.
0: Patrick, what do you think about the second
1: half? Yeah, well, I was going to say to your point, see chapter one of their book where they said, you may not have the results you want. So there there just seemed to be a bit of a disconnect there. Mm. Uh, So George, I actually want you to dig in a bit more on the uh, (laughs) anti-specificity thesis or whatever you have, because I actually really like it. And I can tell you, I have read some of the kind of very prestigious names in, in endurance athletes or endurance coaching, excuse me. That almost seem to want to overcomplicate, mm-hmm. or make it seem like you have to be so so specific. Only they know the route,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's a little like, eh. I think you're trying to sell me a book here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I want to hear a bit more about your thoughts or articulation around the specificity. Yes. Yeah.
0: So so I I I think there's two aspects of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one has to do with workouts. Now. We should probably say first off what the principle specificity actually is. The principle specificity is the idea that in order to train for a race or in order to to prepare for a race, you have to be specific with the training that you're doing, i.e. you have to line up the training that you're doing with what the race is going to challenge you to do. Now, to use like a really ridiculous example, if you're training to run a marathon, you can't just swim every day and then get out of the pool and go run the marathon. Like if you want to actually do well in the marathon, you're going to have to actually do some running since it's a running race after all. Right. And so there is some specificity to it. And, and this is legitimate. I, I don't ever want to try and suggest here that 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 specificity is not a real thing. Specificity is legit. I mean, um, as I've talked about on this podcast as we've all talked about a whole lot over the course of the last little while here in the latter part of April, all of May, all of June, I did virtually no running in order to try and let my, my strained hamstring after the LA Marathon start feeling better. But I rode my bike a ton um, and, and really built a lot of fitness on the bike. In fact, it was, it was more fitness I've had on the bike. Um, I've been fitter and strong on the bike than I've probably been in, in five years. So I go out to run that that 5K that the the Nikki Hiltz's Pride 5K and I was super fit and and so I was trying to run hard but my my heart rate was staying super low and I wasn't really even all, running all that fast. I was lacking what multi-sport athletes call run specific fitness. And that was very clear. And so I don't want to try and suggest that, that there's no such thing as specificity um, and that the pres- principle of specificity doesn't matter. And that if you want to, to, you know, do the, the swim around Key West, that, that you'll be fine if you just prepare for it by lifting weights and, and riding a bicycle, that's not going to do it right? You do have to prepare specifically for a race. Um, but I think that, that people tend to over apply the the principle of specificity a little bit too much. So like I said, twofold, first of all would be when it comes to, to, workouts. And so I think a lot of times people think that, that if I'm going to be training for a marathon, every workout that I do has to be a marathon specific workout. And so it has to be longer and it has to be at tempo pace or slower. Um, and, and Um, it has to be of a certain ilk. And one of the things we've seen actually over the course of the last couple of um, years um, have been the training logs of a lot of lead athletes have shown that that's not even what they always do. Um, When Elliot Kipchoge released his training logs uh, leading up to his 201 in Berlin, um, it showed that one of his favorite workouts to do was a bunch of like three-minute repeats. Um, when Kenanisa Bekele very recently within the last two months released his training logs leading up to his 201 in Berlin last year, his most frequent recurring workout was a 300 meter hill repeats session. So he'd run 300 meters up, up the side of a hill. Now Berlin, like is so flat, you would think it's two dimensional. Uh, and so the idea of doing a hill repeat to prepare specifically for Berlin, that's, that's not very specific. And then a 300 meter repeat for him would take less than a minute to do. And so he's doing one minute repeats up a mountain in order to prepare for a very flat marathon race. And it worked for him. He ran 201. Um, and so the idea that, that we have to be super specific with all of our workouts is, is just not accurate. Your workout should be determined by what you need physiologically, what you need psychologically, uh, what works best for you, um, and, and generally speaking, what it is you and your coach um, figure out is going to, to, to check all the boxes that need to be checked here. Uh, and for some people, yeah, that might mean um, longer marathon-specific workouts, things that more closely mimic the demands of a marathon. And you should do some of those for sure. But the idea that every single one of your workouts has to be specific to the race that you're going to be doing, if you're doing a 5k, that every single workout has to be at 5k pace, if you're doing a mile, that every single workout needs to be at a mile pace. Um, that's just not right. That's just not accurate. Um, in fact, specificity can be overapplied and eventually you can beat yourself up too much. And eventually you might even underperform um, because you neglect certain parts of your physiology by only doing workouts of one particular type. Th- that's what it means when it comes to workouts. What it means when it comes to logistics, um, and this is the second part of it, this is the, the other aspect of it, is I think that oftentimes people are too specific. They overapply the principle of specificity when it comes to things like the courses that they choose to ride or the weather that they choose to do their runs in um, or, or something like that. I've heard people say that they don't run on trails because they race on the road. That is just that's that's a ridiculous overapplication of the principle of specificity. Do you need to do some stuff if your target race is on the road? Do you need to do some stuff on the road? Sure. If your target race is on the track, should you do some more of your workouts on the track? Yes, absolutely. Of course you should. Um, if you're preparing for a triathlon that has open water swimming in it, should you do some open water swimming? Yes. But do you have to do all of your workouts in the open water? No, you don't. Um, Should you do all of your workouts on the pavement if your target race is on the pavement? No, you shouldn't. Uh, As a matter of fact, you're much better off um, actually doing things up and down hills. I've seen people avoid hills because they're like, oh, well, my target race is the Tokyo Marathon and there's no hills in the Tokyo Marathon, so I'm not going to run up and down any hills. That's a ridiculous thing to do. Um, that's an over-application of the principle of specificity when it comes to logistics. I've seen people who don't want to go ride their bike in the mountains, even though that would make them a much better cyclist because they say that their target race is a flat race. I've seen people who refuse to ride their bikes uh, on the gravel or they refuse to ride a road bike, um, because they say, I need to be in the aerodynamic position for all of my, 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 my rides because that's how I'm going to be racing. Not true. You don't have to do that. It might be not only physically draining for you, but might be psychologically draining for you to do that as well. I've seen people, and this is ridiculous, that say, well, I'm training for a hot race, and so I'm going to do all of my runs in the middle of the day in July in Atlanta. Um, That's ridiculous, thinking that that's what you have to do. Now, if you're training for a hot race, should you do a few workouts as part of your build set? Yeah, I think think you should. Um, Should you do like one of your long runs, um, in conditions that mimic um, the race day conditions. Yeah. But you shouldn't be doing that every single day. You shouldn't be be subjecting yourself to, to the rigors that you'll be facing on, on race day every single day. That's not going to make you tougher. That's not going to make you stronger. That's not going to make you better. That's going to wear you out and it's gonna, you're going to end up getting the starting line of race day more tired than prepared. So like I said, over-application of the principle of specificity. Some I've been talking about for years, but they, they beat me to it. They wrote about it. In fact, <laughs> it's, it's principle four. They wrote specificity matters, but less than you may think. Mm-hmm. Damn you, Megan and David Roach.
1: And well said. <laughs> yeah. And I think part of the mistake of the spe- specificity comes from in like in other sports, you do need to be specific. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're trained to be a quarterback, you don't throw a baseball, you throw a football and you throw it the exact mm-hmm. same way with the shoulder pads, right? So it is all about like exact repetition. That's not how our sport works, as we talked about many times. Our sport's more about almost like four kind of physiological systems you have, and you got to build those up as much as you can in any way you can Mm -hmm. and and the way that kind of works best for you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'll tell you, you can even look at like my 5K from a week ago or this weekend. It's a perfect example of specificity not really playing into success, or you could say finding success without that specific training. Now that was, I think, an extreme example. Um, But I mean, you you can kind of see that Um, play out there. For sure. Where I had never done any speed, I hadn't done any speed work in uh, seven months and go out and run fine because I've been building up the endurance Mm -hmm. and working on what, you know, I think we've said on this podcast before, was clearly my biggest weakness and I just never had time to fully develop in it. And then here we are with no races, I decided. Well, I've never had time to just develop to nothing but long slow running, so I'm going to do that and I'm going to make it almost a game out of it. And then what do you know? Now my speed is is much better than it, you would expect mm-hmm. because I was able to actually develop a component of my own training or my own physiology that had been sorely underdeveloped
0: mm-hmm.
1: over the last decade. I mean, it, it's been a while of kind of neglecting that piece.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree with you on that. Um, I, I I I think it's um again, I, I like what they wrote in the second half of the book. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, that, that, that very much made me change the way that's all the first half. Um, so since we've already transitioned to talk about the second half of the book, um, Michelle, what did you think about the second half? Like what were the things that stood out to you in the second half of the book?
2: Well, I think I read this from a little bit of a different perspective because I had to kind of forced myself to read it during somewhat of an injury phase. So I didn't want to read all these great things about running. Um, But I really appreciated, you know, what they said about cross training. I really appreciated the information Mm -hmm. on the high cadence cycling. I really appreciated all the examples that they gave about how really fast road runners transition to trails and ultras and, you know, they kill it for a year or two and then they just kind of die off or plateau. And I thought their explanation for why that happens and how to prevent that from happening and how to, you know kind of backtrack and start over and get somebody like that back to running fast speeds on trails was really interesting and i think you know we've proved it to be true um my only you know i like the physiology i like the science in the second part i i don't love that kind of like what um patrick was saying before it's a little bit of a contradiction to the first part i felt like all the examples that they give are of the prestigious trail runners who are out there winning Western yeah. states and CCC. Yeah. And, um, if results aren't the only thing that matters, <laughs> Why then are you
0: about people showering business?
2: us with like, you know, yeah. the foremost runners right now um, and how well they're doing and how your training got them to podiums and all these, you know, major uh, mm-hmm. national and international races. So I felt I, it was a little bit, what's that word you use, George? I what use I the word said?
0: disingenuous.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was a perfect yeah. word yeah um, so that was my like i'm just i'm so literal of a person that i found that to be i found that to be frustrating but um i do think generally speaking it was it was just hard for me to read all this stuff about types of training and what you should be doing when i'm over here you know running sure. 10 minutes after right. in class so Fair. Fair. um but you know what they said about cross training and stuff if you're injured out there um it did definitely make me feel like I'm not really going
0: to lose much. <laughs> I definitely um, would have so. written my, 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 section on my book one day would be on cross-training would be more significant. So that's the one place that, that I would have written more. Um, and, and so that was the one place that I felt like um, in, in the back half, it felt more like a bunch of runners had written the book and they are runners and they coach runners. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the, that I am somebody who who advocates, and this is in part because I do it, but it's also in part because I I've, um, I've worked with multi-sport athletes. And so I, am familiar with, um, the efficacy of, of crossover benefits of training. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it's a lot of times you will read, and a a lot of times you'll read, read books by runners or by running coaches about runners that'll basically say, don't cross train. And so the fact that this actually said, Hey, cross training can be valuable that's like progress
2: <laughs> yeah sure um,
0: and then and then but they they had one page on it and they're like so you know you just kind of spend a little bit and that'll probably do it and i was like okay i probably would have written a whole lot more about it there because I do. that think- was my
2: favorite page of the whole book because
0: that so. <laughs> that's what you were doing at the times you were reading it
2: um, but yeah but they give examples of cat bradley and hillary <laughs> allen and i mean yeah. if you like i happen to follow them so i know that they incorporate a lot of cross training like mm-hmm. i know that they send their athletes yeah. to the pool and i know that they send them to the assault bike and i know that they send them to spin classes so Mm-hmm. Um I like that maybe they didn't focus on it enough, which I agree, you know, there could be a lot more to be said about cross training, mm-hmm. um, but I know that they actually, they do believe in it um, mm-hmm. just because their athletes partake in it. So yeah,
0: right on, right on. Okay. And so, so to me, I, it's something that I thought, and, and this kind of gets to, to maybe what we're talking about with the whole disingenuous thing. I felt like, I felt like the target audience shifted a little bit. When you got into, it
2: <laughs> in, in,
0: in, in part two. And yeah. so, so I felt like part one, I feel like, like people who, okay. So, so like, like I said, when I read part two, I was like, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm on board here. I'm, I'm reading about the excess physiology, how to train, how to periodize, like what's important, what to prioritize, all that sort of thing. I'm reading that. I'm like, I'm on board. I got it. Da, 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 right. I am certain. I know because people have told me. Um, that that's the way they were about part one. And so there's probably a lot of people that were like, oh yeah, totally, this is totally what I, do. oh yeah, this, this really articulates what it is that, that, that I feel and that, that, that what I try to do with my own running, right? And so while I feel that maybe part one might've been uncomfortable for those of us who have always been really, really results oriented, I think maybe part two was maybe uncomfortable for the people who have always been not so results oriented. And so the, the, the people who, for whom it's very natural to embrace the process and the people from like the first run they ever did, they knew their why, like those people who have already kind of gotten nailed down the, 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 the happy runner side of the whole thing. Then now you go into part two and it's like, it's, it's like, okay, now let's teach you since you've already got that, the mental stuff, let's teach you the physiology stuff. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so so it was almost like the first half was all about trying to get the really hyper competitive people to pay attention to the airy fairy stuff. And then the second half of the book was to get all of the people who who wear costumes and races and and never push themselves to actually add some structure to their training and, and perhaps become become faster runners, whatever that meant, you know, even if that just meant going from, from 16 minute pace to 15 minute pace in a marathon. Right. And so, so I feel like, like who they were speaking to changed a little bit there in the back half of the book. Does that make sense? I agree. So, 100%.
2: um,
0: I do think it's interesting what both of y'all are saying about how they say the results don't matter. And then they keep introducing people and talking about, well, here's this person and here's what their results were and here's what they did. And so, so it it does sometimes feel a little bit disingenuous to say results don't matter, but let me tell you how great this person is by, by telling you what the results are. Right. Um, I, I do feel like that's a little bit disingenuous and, and perhaps even a little bit contradictory. So, so I'm sensitive to that. Um, what were some other things that that kind of stood out to y'all?
1: Hmm. I have two more things. (laughs) i would say the other one i would i could point out is the fact that they did emphasize easy running Mm -hmm. in a way that i just always find refreshing maybe Mm -hmm. just that i have ptsd from years of Mm -hmm. go hard or go home in other sports and even early and i would say in my running career in high school and college i almost had the same almost Mm -hmm. foot i was kind of coached with the same almost football mentality of Mm -hmm. you know run until you can't run anymore then then run again you know, 6400s or whatever it is that they did on once a runner. Mm-hmm. And then it's always refreshing to, to take a step back and be like, actually, the real key is consistent, easy running mm-hmm. <laughs> or consistent running more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of like you were mentioning, I think any any author gets brownie points with me when they talk about, you know, as an endurance coach, it's all about consistency. It's all about easy days. That's where the real magic happens to use a phrase
0: they had a quotation in there that I really liked, actually, in the back half that, um, and I should, I should look at it and be more specific about it here just to make sure I say it right, but it was, it was um, consistency is better or beats epic because epic can't be consistent. Yeah, um, oh, and, for sure. And, 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 I, and I totally agree with that. Um, and, and I feel like I say that a lot to, to, to some of the athletes that I coach who want to do these really, really epic things. And so they think they do these epic things and you do these epic workouts. And I was like, you don't actually have to do a whole lot of epic workouts. You have to do a couple if you, if you, if you're getting ready for an Ironman, but what matters more is the day in day out, uh, process of wearing the, the, the rubber off the bottom of your shoes, um, as they quoted from once a runner in this book. So, um, so, so yeah, I, I appreciated their, their, uh, their adherence and their, their, um, homage to, to consistency to the golden rule of endurance, um, a sports end of saying you don't have to run hard all the time. Um, yeah. And um, I think
1: the way we phrased it on this podcast in the past is consistency trumps intensity.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, what else, what else, Michelle?
2: I thought, you know, they did a really good job talking about the mental health stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's I thought sort that of was cool,
0: actually. I think a taboo
2: topic or yeah. just, but it's something that really plagues a lot of endurance athletes and mm-hmm. a lot of the running community. And I mean, I'm not a mental health professional, but I like that they just are very practical about it. You know, running is not a cure for mental health. It might be able to mitigate some of it, but go get help, get whatever medicine you need, you know other people are suffering with you, reach out, talk to people. Um, I really liked that. I mean, this whole book could have been written without that, but Mm -hmm. that for anybody who reads this that struggles uh, with depression or anxiety, and they speak personally about their struggles with it also, Mm -hmm. it's just another step in kind of, um, you know, debugging the the stigma around all stuff mental health. Um, and I agree. Endurance sports is not, you know, a group that lacks suicide and that lacks anxiety and it lacks depression. So I think just putting it in there and making it, you know, almost more important than some of the other stuff they talked about, I, I really appreciated that. Um, I think that's a great just, you know, put it out there. Just talk about it. Talk about it everywhere.
0: Um, I appreciate that too. I, I I think you make a good point. And and I, I thought that was interesting because like, I, I like the way you just said it, they could have written the whole book without that, because it did feel like a left turn in the book. Yeah. To, 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 to me, it felt like it's like, okay, now we're talking about how mental health and there, there, there shouldn't be a stigma around mental health. And I agree with that. But if, if you said, George, write a book about running, that probably wouldn't make the book. Right. right? There's lots and, of other things that, that, that I'm in and, and I know about and I like to talk about that wouldn't make a book about running if if I wrote a book about running. Right. And so so for them to actually say, you know what, this is a, an important enough topic in life in general um, that, that we want to include it in the one book that we're writing here. Um, yeah, I have respect for that. I think that was cool. And so so even though it was kind of a left turn, um, I, I, I give them Give them kudos for for saying this is something that's important, generally speaking. And so so we're gonna we're gonna stick it into the book that we have here about running. While we got your attention, let's talk to you about mental health real quick. All
2: I right. really appreciated that. So it sort of reminded me of the Brad Silver with Outside Magazine, and you know all of the writing that he's done in the recent years about mental health and his episode with anxiety. So mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think that
0: um, and they mentioned him.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. and and they should have mentioned him. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's done great stuff. So uh, yeah, I mean, I a guy in my old running group committed suicide so it's like you've got all these runners and you know he was a great marathoner and i just think endurance athletes we take things to the extreme and Mm -hmm. a lot of times we can try to run Mm -hmm. away from uh the type of stuff that really needs more than just running um, Mm -hmm. to help so the more that we can normalize that the better it is for everybody
0: i agree i agree yeah i mean it it does make me think okay since we've been talking about like what 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 would my book look like if i wrote one. which I'm not going to. Um, If I do, it's Uh, not going to be about running. It's going to be about what I teach about. It's going to be my professor field. Um, But it does make me wonder, okay, what topic would I like slide in there that I think people also need to be thinking about while I've got their attention about running? Let me tell you what I think about this other thing. Um, There's a degree to which you could say I've done that with this podcast. A couple of weeks ago, I slipped in a, a podcast about privilege. So, you know, (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, so, I, and i think where it does tie into the happy runners actually a part of our it, it it's part of our criticism of part one where mm-hmm. it's almost like be happy and it's kind of fluffy instagrammy mm-hmm. and so they yeah like
2: there's I, real stuff out there that keeps people from living in that state of just like stream of conscious happiness
1: <laughs> right <laughs> even if so, people want
2: to be like that um
1: so, so i almost wondered if they had an editor be like look we need to acknowledge huh. that yeah <laughs> Hmm. or
0: or or like a, or or like an editor or early reader said said uh you realize that that it's not as easy as you as you portray it to be like right. like like, right. like there's a reason why human beings aren't dogs um <laughs> they're, they're, they're right. we, you know the the, the the there there's we we have stressors that that, that they don't have um and so yeah may, maybe somebody did and suggested that need to be in there and so maybe it's not as much of a left turn as i thought it was um but but yeah maybe
2: I would love to know if they had a chance to rewrite this or if they did a, a second version, mm-hmm. you know, what they might do differently. Because mm-hmm. I'm just so interested now that it's out. It just seems... Um, it almost seems like it could be two separate books in a way. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: I, I, I tore this it, book it apart. Is, I mean, is, it my book it is... Was, <laughs> it, was, it was two separate books to me.
2: <laughs> yeah, my book is folded, highlighted. I've got page corners turned down. I just... I do
0: too, right on. I mean, it it, it was two separate books to me. It really was. I mean, that, that was... I I finished it and closed it, and I was like, "Tale of Two Books." Yeah,
2: I think that was maybe my that first was, thought. Maybe that's my biggest frustration.
0: It was the best it. of books. It was the worst of books. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was the it was the part one of our of our discontent. It was part yeah. No, the 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 I, I really 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 liked the second one, and and so much so. Again, I've said this like five times already. It made me really go back and think more about the first half of it. Um, and, and, and it, it, it encouraged me to not be so critical and, and, and to maybe give them more credit with the stuff in the first half of the book and to try and, and, and dig more deeply into why they made the rhetorical choices they did in the first half of the book. Um, because clearly they're intelligent people um, and, and, um, and clearly they have an interesting message and they have, they have worthwhile things to say. If I didn't believe that at the end of the first part, which I did, then I definitely believe that at the end of the second part, and so that made me kind of want to go back and think about the first part. Um, so yeah. Um, all right. So let, let's let's do final thought here on the book: good, bad, recommend it, not recommend it. Patrick.
1: Ooh, good question. Uh, can I recommend just the second half? <laughs> <laughs> because I fear if I recommended it to someone, they'd get through thirty pages and be like, "What the heck is this?" But see, but see, I feel not like make it say okay and so this goes back to the whole
0: thing about target audience right um i mean I, yeah like i feel if i had maybe like a super hyper results oriented competitive person and i was like they need to to pump the brakes a little bit and start thinking about some of these bigger issues maybe i could point in the first half of this book but at the same time the first half of this book is just I would think would be so off-putting for that person. That's what I say. That yeah. style is not
1: going to resonate with that person yeah. at all. Yeah. Because it did.
0: Because it did. I, I think that. Because I think, and the reason why I think that, and I think that more now than I did an hour ago, is because it was off-putting to the three of us. Um, yeah. E- even to me, which I would say of the three of us, I am the one who who uh, ended up
2: liking it the most.
0: Maybe. Um, but but I'm definitely the one too who who sees in part one. I think there's more value in part one. Than, than both of what y'all see, I think. Do you think um, we would
2: find the value if we went back to reread it, part one, now that we've... I'm debating rereading it, honestly, because I feel I like know. my assessment is, is super critical. They also make me know. feel like I should be able to run as fast as I want to if I just mm-hmm. kind of like dot the I and cross the T. Yeah,
0: and, I, and but I think that that's not... see. That's we, not
2: their point. That's just yeah. the way that it made me... That's just the way that, that this book made me feel, especially the second half.
0: Yeah, and but it, for, for me, I felt like when I was reading stuff in the stuff in the second half with, with a mind to what they had written in the first half, um, for me, it was less about, about, okay, if you do this stuff, Michelle, you will be able to run this time. It was less for me, like, George, if you do this stuff, you will be able to take eight minutes off of your, your marathon. Um, you'll be able to PR in the 5K you know, even though your PR is from when you were 20 years old, like, like
2: less specific, but you can improve.
0: Yeah. It it was more about like, if you do these things, you will be a better runner and and you will find more satisfaction in the physical side of running, which will in turn bolster all that stuff that they talk about in the first
2: half. So how would you change your athletes training based on what you just said?
0: (laughs) Based on what I just said, what do you mean? Yeah.
2: Based on if you do this type of stuff, like you will become a better runner, it will, I mean, what do you think they offer in that second half of the book that could translate to that in real life for somebody?
0: So I, I, I think that the second half of the book, I think it's very valuable for someone who, who um, like I was saying before, who, who understands and, and, and has naturally fallen into and, and, and really appreciates all those intangible aspects of running, that they describe in that first half like the people who and i never have understood these people because i'm not one of them and i <laughs> and i i very I, I, I i'm willing to say you you all aren't either but the people who say i went out for my first run and it was just so magical and i loved it and i was hooked on running from the start bullshit
2: i don't know, you know any of those people
0: but i've met a lot of those people and, and and i'm like that was not me i'm the guy who says nothing sucks worse than running when you're out of shape because i think it does but most people don't give it enough time to actually get in shape and get to that place where it's actually pretty good but there are people out there who, who literally go for their first run and they're like that you know they experience I guess a runner's high or whatever it happens to be and 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 they're like hooked from the very start I'm not that guy I've never been that guy but I think those people exist and so I, I and I think those people exist and they're, and they're out there and they're and they're and they're enjoying every run and they're, and they're they're like Phoebe on friends. You remember her running? And and so, so, so they're like that. And then, and then that second half says, okay, here are the really basic training principles that you need to have. If you want to get a little bit more serious and a little bit more structured. And if you do, and if you haven't been at all structured because all you've been doing is just what brings you joy, um, then you can probably speed up a little bit. Um, That's kind of the way the second half of it felt to me for, for, for the people who are reading it, those sorts of people who are reading it not for the people like us who are reading it because I recognize right. that that we, the three of us together represent a certain segment of the running population. Um, we're the people who record podcasts about running <laughs> <laughs> and and who stay up late on Friday nights and pay $12 to watch an inner squad meet from the Bowerman. I Track was Club. so
2: shocked. You paid $12. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't awake, but I totally would have paid. I would that's have paid great. more than that.
0: I enjoyed Especially it, knowing great.
2: what they ran now.
0: <laughs> it was great. It was great. So very good. Um, so so Patrick would recommend the second half to people. Michelle, you say you're going to read it again.
2: I do fact, want to read it again fa- before I... The fact I... that you say
0: you're going to read it again, you yeah. texted me at one point that you really didn't like the book. The I think I that used that the...
2: different words than that, but <laughs> okay. Um,
0: but but the, but, the fact that you say that you're going to reread the book, to me, actually, that's a pretty ringing endorsement, I feel like. If, if I, mean, I wrote this something book was... you said I need to read it again because it has some stuff in it I might've missed, that, that's actually a pretty ringing endorsement.
2: Yeah, this book was weighing on my mind for a long time. So I'm glad that I read it. Mm-hmm. I didn't walk away from it the way that I thought I was going from reading it. But now that I've read it, I think that maybe you read the second half and then read the first half,
0: hmm.
2: not just the second half. But I don't know. I don't that's know, interesting actually.
0: advice. OK, so that's interesting advice. So so, so and maybe I mean, that's maybe that's it, Patrick. Maybe that's
2: what I need, because if I had just read the second half. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll that's know. it,
0: Patrick. So, 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 Patrick, to your point, maybe maybe. When when you recommend this book to somebody, if you recommend it to somebody, if they're a runner like you and me and Michelle, that's really goal oriented and knows the physiology and all that sort of thing, tell them to read the second half first, then read the first half. Um, and if there's somebody who, who who likes dogs and doesn't have a whole lot of structure in their training and 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 um, is very much naturally embracing the process and 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 likes puppies and unicorns, have them read it the way that it's actually done. It's like star Wars, the different ways of watching star Wars. Oh gosh,
2: we're not doing this now. It's too late. <laughs> it's almost 9 PM. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> I have a lot of experience with that, but,
0: but, but it's a podcast. I want to listen to. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> that's I'm what read. you would,
1: that's what you would sneak into your book.
0: <laughs> I think you're right. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I would, I would sneak in a reference to not a reference to an entire chapter on why rogue one is the, the pinnacle of the star Wars universe. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, so so I'm I I will have to check in with everybody a year from now and say whether whether the, the the book's really worthwhile because I tend to really chew on things for a long time. Um and and uh we'll see. So six months from now, I'll be looking at my life and I'll be reflecting on something and and maybe even going to a race because perhaps we'll have a vaccine and be on the other side of some of this stuff. But um and 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 I'll be hit by something and I'll be like, you know what? That's just like Megan and David wrote said in their book. Um and if I, six months from now or a year from now, have not thought about this book again, then maybe I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Um, but I feel like the books that really mean a lot to me are the ones that, that over time, and as I continue to grow and change, are the ones that-, that
2: You refer back to. You that I refer back you. to yeah.
0: and that and continue to make sense to me. Sure. Um, and so we'll see, we'll see. Um, I definitely think this book has the potential to do that and to be that, but we'll see, we'll see all right y'all good final words this was fun actually i i i hope this met the patrick standard of of talking to smart people about smart things did it patrick yes always all right right. very good um we appreciate you being here patrick michelle thanks for being here as always thanks for spending all the time reading the book and thanks for bringing the recommendation to us after all or or, or advocating for this one
2: i think we're going to do a different type of book next time i got some ideas
0: all right very good very good thanks for listening everybody That'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We appreciate you joining us. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. You can find us on Twitter at pleasantpodcast. You can find us on Instagram, most pleasant exhaustion, And you can always download our podcast from Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, ITL Coaching and Performance, at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter, at itlcoaching.com. At Facebook, Facebook.com/slash ITL Coaching and Performance, and on Instagram, ITL Coaching. You can check out Blue Pineapple Travel at bluepineappletravel.com on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash Blue Pineapple Travel, or on Instagram, Blue Pineapple Travel. And finally, Slayer X. You can find them at SlayerX.com on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash HereForSlayerX. That's the number four. Here for Slayer on Instagram at Here4SlayRx, again, the number four. And on Twitter at OfficialSlayRx. Don't forget the discount code Pleasant2020. On behalf of Patrick Ollinger and Michelle Frank, this is George Darden. We appreciate you joining us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.